And welcome back to a fresh episode of the Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And if you haven't yet, check out our weekly email where we share actual marketing tips, useful podcasts, free guides, bonus resources, and much, much more each and every Monday to start your week off with a bang. You can sign up over at businessgrowth.email. With that said, my guest today is Tara Robertson. Tara's a B2B marketer over in Toronto. She's got 10 years of SaaS marketing experience and she runs Demand Gen over at Chili Piper. Tara, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, Sam. Thank you so much for having me. No worries. So looking been forward a long to time it. coming. <laughs> it certainly has. Yeah, been a lot of back and forth scheduling, but glad to glad to finally get stuck in. We're talking about a topic that's very close to, I think, my heart as well as yours. We're going to be talking all about how to convert more of those juicy sales leads with your B2B website. So really looking forward to, to chatting all things B2B lead genesis. This is pretty much all I ramble on about on LinkedIn and the podcast almost every episode. So it's, <laughs> it's going to be fun. So with that said, let's, let's start with a bit of a funny one. Um, why do so many B2B websites fail, you think, Tara, when it comes to actually generating a steady flow of inbound leads for their sales team? I think the biggest thing that I see constantly is just no focus on what the buyer gets out of it or what's in it for them. It's very much, here's our offer. Here's what we want you to do. Here's what we would like you to fill out. But why? Mm. It's really just thinking about why should someone care enough to, whether it's filling out your form, getting your content, reading your blog. It's just very self-serving. And I think that's changing a lot, but that's something that kind of rubs people the wrong way. But you see it a lot in B2B. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's something you see all the time, right? So it's like when mm-hmm. I might land on a B2B website and perhaps straight away, maybe I've clicked an ad or maybe I've seen them on organic listing or found them on social, whatever route I've come to actually climb a stumble across their website. <laughs> perhaps their headline is something like, we're award winning or we're 30 years in mm-hmm. business or we're... Or the founder's story sometimes. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> it. That's it. Yeah. Or we've, we've just received this round of funding. It's... um. Is this the mm-hmm. kind of thing we're talking about, really, where you're not really emphasizing perhaps what your buyer's interested in? Right. I think the funding one is one example that you see a lot where it's, hey, we raised $150 million, but what does that mean if I'm a new buyer? I'm not even a customer yet. Why should I care about that? And what does that mean for me? So just yeah. trying to think back of if you were new to this website, what would you care about and what would really kind of what would sell you, essentially, because B2B is we're just selling each other things all the time. So you should think about how you want to be sold. Yeah, yeah, certainly agree. In terms of mm-hmm. that sort of things, do you think building building websites for buyers is down to the actual messaging you use? So we've mentioned there kind of your homepage headline and not necessarily focusing on the funding round you just got, but more about kind of the value and how you actually mm-hmm. help your buyers perhaps get from A to Z or fix a certain problem that they care about is it just the messaging or from your experience is there quite a wider range of things on your site that actually affect that to make you more let's say buyer centric and focus on helping them I think I mean from my perspective messaging is number one it doesn't really matter to me what your website looks like which I probably shouldn't say that because our designers won't be happy but (laughs) for me it's all about like what what do you want me to take away from reading your website so for me that's number one Um, And the best headlines I've seen are actually in the customer's voice, whether it's a quote from a customer that was able to do something that they couldn't do before using your tool or 
one thing that we've been doing a lot is listening to gong calls and actually pulling out customer quotes and using those and things like our ads to get people's attention. And it's just very different when you use that customer voice versus here's what our CEO has to say, or here's what our marketing team thinks you'll care about. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. So when, on that point of view, does mm-hmm. that mean we're using kind of actual words that the customer's say on let's say sales calls to describe our product or our service and how it's helping them ideally yes if you get their permission (laughs) and you can um another way to source those quotes is through something like a cab so we have customer advisory board meetings and we actually you can run messaging by them but you can also use them as kind of a brainstorming session and figure out how would you phrase this problem because we know Mm. how or sometimes you're a bit too close to it when it's your website right so we know how we would explain this but it's great to hear it from a customer who's been in, in that place and solved it with your tool. Yeah, no, that's that's really nice. I mean, there's there's so many golden nuggets that you can pick up from your sales team, right? Um, mm-hmm. And actual customer calls, I guess it's kind of rather than relying on what you think is going to resonate or what you hope will work in terms of your messaging. And we can talk about this in a bit in terms of the design and some of the key pages. But if you actually know what your customers care about or the common problems that they're bringing to your sales team, why not leverage that in your messaging, address that in your pages? So then you're pretty sure it's going to resonate if a lot of your customers are asking these things, right? Right. I mean, you can make assumptions, but it's better to put it in their words wherever you can. Definitely. And on that note, I don't know if if you've seen this uh, much, Tara, but something that frustrates me a lot is jargon. So on the note of messaging, like, and this this can apply to website headlines or it can apply to information later in your site or on your about page. And it's like, we're a cutting edge provider that brings like the world's advanced 360 analytical system to your fingertips. And it's like, well, I've been on your website for three minutes so far and I still have no idea what you actually do. Right. I think it's hard, right? Because as I said, you're so close to it. So you think, Mm. well, we know what 360 provider of information means, but no one else (laughs) knows what that means. So that's where being closer with your customers can help because you can run this kind of shiny new headline by them and see what they think of it. And often you're not going to get great answers in something like a survey, but when you have say an hour a month with your cab, they they're incentivized to give you that feedback because they want it to be a productive conversation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, have you? We might have covered this just now, but in terms of kind of the the homepage in general, have you got any top tips to, I guess, make sure your website homepage actually resonates with ideal buyers and is going to be a good hook to either mm-hmm. encourage people to read more or get in touch? Yeah, I think to your point earlier about landing on a B two B website and having no idea what they're trying to say or what they do, yeah. that's where product videos can be very helpful and. Okay. You'll see if you go to our site, we pretty much always have a product video in the header, but it's just the cleanest way to explain. It's kind of a show don't tell thing where you can show exactly what your product does and how it works without having to have just hundreds of characters of text on your homepage. You can just get right into it if someone's interested. So I would definitely lean towards doing that if you can, if you have the resources to do that. And it doesn't have to be fancy. It could be just a walkthrough video, screen share. It doesn't have to yep. be super flashy but I think those can be very effective or again you could have a customer explaining what they came to you to solve yeah 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 nice um in terms of product demo videos is that something you found because I I don't see that many sites where you can actually like a lot of b2b sites especially you're you're constantly prompted to book the demo 
request a demo, <laughs> request a strategy tool, but not that many from my experience anyway, actually have a video which literally shares kind of the main points that you might see in a demo anyway. So have you found mm. from your experience that that pr- perhaps shortens the sales cycle? So when people do get in touch, they've already got a good idea of how your product works. So they're more likely to buy. I don't, I don't have data specifically to back that up, but I do believe it. <laughs> so mm. I, I mean, if you hide things like what your product actually does and you're forcing people onto a demo call, you're going to get all kinds of people that are just wasting your sales reps time and have no idea what you do. So the more upfront you can be, the better. And maybe you'll have less people booking a demo because they look at it and say, oh, this is actually isn't for me. But that's not a bad thing. If you're going to lose them anyway, it's better than wasting an hour of an A's time. So definitely. Oh, definitely. I mean, there's like you say, there's, there's kind of some more. self-qualification there where someone watches a video and says, oh, this mentions that it's just for Salesforce users. Never mind. That's not for me. And then they leave. <laughs> so in a way, that's kind of a blessing because you're not wasting their time and they're going on to a tool that's better suited for them. Well, that's it. If you like, you say, if you're forcing as many people that land on your site to book the demo or book the call, and they're not necessarily the best fit, it's just going to waste everyone's time, including the prospects and your sales team. So it's exactly yeah, a frustrating experience. So mm-hmm. yes, let's move this forward. I mean, in terms of um, perhaps we can talk about some other pages. Perhaps we can talk about some best practices. Um, what would you say are some must-have pages for a B two B site? In your experience, Tara. Sure. So I know we just talked about this earlier, but we both have strong feelings on the pricing page. I think it was a trend for a little while to hide that page and have basically, for again, forcing your prospects through that path of book a demo to learn about the pricing. But again, you're running the risk of having people who want to spend, say, $5 on a tool that's maybe 5000 a month. And then it's your sales team who has to kind of break the news to them instead of giving them that information up front. So the pricing page is one that's super important to me. The other thing that I see a lot of companies do is have solutions kind of broken down by the user persona or who that main user is. So in our case, we sell to a lot of say salespeople and demand gen folks, but they have very different needs or wants from a product. So we explain it from each of their perspectives. So those are a couple of pages that I think are just kind of must haves for B2B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were chatting about this before we hit record, but it's it's something like I've even like you say, I've even seen I've seen all, all sites, all all sorts of things on B2B sites, not just B2B, <laughs> but across the spectrum. But somewhere you have a pricing page and it doesn't even share pricing. It's like well, delete the page, that's useless. Um it's basically then, just book a demo. <laughs> that's yeah, the yeah. <laughs> it's just a sly right. way of trying to hook another mm-hmm. lead. Um mm-hmm. And then others that just ignore it completely because they want to drive as many leads into their sales team's pipeline as possible. But then you think, well, again, it comes to the point of wasting everyone's time, probably going to piss off your prospects because they mm-hmm. they they want to know. And it might even deter some because they might think, well, this brand or this company is not being open and transparent about their project rates or their service rates. I'm just going to go to a company that's more open and gives me a quick mm-hmm. idea of, of what they do, the price, so I can actually check it's in my budget. And then, right. You must but, run into that a lot on the service side because it's such a big range of prices, right? I have this conversation all the time <laughs> with a lot of service providers and everyone's mm-hmm. scared to share it. I mean, I'll openly admit I, on our own company, Web Choices site, I was scared to share it for a while. But then because we invest a lot in ads, we do a lot on SEO, we do a lot on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. on the podcast, we're driving a lot of traffic to our site. We, we got so many inquiries, but a lot of them just couldn't afford what we do, which at the after a certain stage, it just burns a lot of time 
And there's no mm-hmm. point having all these calls, and especially for larger organizations with people that can never, ever afford your project product, no matter what mm-hmm. service problem it solves. So at some stage, you've got to put that qualification in on your site so then mm-hmm. you can have better conversations that are actually likely to go somewhere. Um, right. And you're in a different situation because you're kind of your sales team in a lot of ways. So you, you get the leads. But yeah. in, say, my situation, if we handed all of those leads that didn't know our pricing, didn't know anything about the product over to sales, the first thing that would happen is sales would say, oh, inbound sucks. We're not going to prioritize these leads. We're going to go do yeah. more outbound and ignore these. And obviously, as someone who's incentivized on pipeline and we want to build the inbound side of the business, that's the last thing that we want. So it's a slippery slope once you start just kind of checking over every lead that comes to your website over to sales. Yeah, I don't think there's any any anything positive to gain by hiding it in this day and age. Mm-hmm. Cool. So you mentioned another section of a site. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Tara, you see, was a service section? I didn't quite. Sure. So we basically, some people call it solutions, some call it services or personas, um, but it's basically a section of your site that walks through how different users use the product. So for us, we have a lot of sales leaders who use our product, but that's a very different use case than say demand gen or marketing. So we want to explain each of those on a separate page. And we can also obviously use those pages for things like retargeting so that if we don't know necessarily who the visitor is, we can kind of assume that it's a sales leader if they're looking at that sales leader page. But on the content side, it's a great place to walk through how you specifically could use it because obviously on your homepage, you can't speak to everyone. So it's a good way to kind of narrow that messaging down. All right. So really thinking about the actual personas that you're looking to work with Mm -hmm. and how certain aspects of your product are helping them and yeah, I guess and that's where to... you can use that social proof too of someone that also has, say, the same title as them. You can speak to that use case very specifically. Yeah, yeah. a few other pages I want to chat about, but mm-hmm. social proof, big one, huge one for websites, mm-hmm. often neglected, as I'm sure you'll agree. Because um, <laughs> ultimately, no one's going to get in touch with you unless they actually trust that you can and do a good job of about all your claims, if you can back up your claims with real customer talk. So what are some... I guess mm-hmm. best practices that you've utilized yourself, Tara, or you've seen for social proof? Sure. Yeah, I think everybody has seen the kind of, I call it logo soup, but that section of logos <laughs> that ca- carries through most websites. Um, so that one is, it's very easy to implement, but I think it just helps give that stamp of approval if you have kind of big brands in the space using you and that trust you. Like for us, we can say that Airbnb and Gong and Shopify use us. So it's just kind of that nice stamp of approval. But Again, I think having the customer's voice in there is super important. So it's not just that these brands use us, but also that they're getting the value and the ROI out of the tool. So any way that you can quote the customer, um, the better. And we've also found just using their actual headshot or their face can help a ton just because it just connects things and you can go see his LinkedIn and you see, oh, he's a real person. And (laughs) it just gives a little bit more than just that stamp of a logo. It's this real person has used this product and here's what they saw as the result yeah 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 because i guess any company could almost fake testimonials on a slider and just have like a bunch of five star <laughs> reviews not. and a Hopefully bunch of quotes no I, I hope not but i'm sure there's companies that do it so that said like you yeah. say if you can get actual personally i mean i don't know what the data is behind this but i'm sure there is some in terms of actual kind of live video reviews where you've recorded a customer testimonial Mm -hmm. perhaps on zoom or whatever recording software you use and then they've literally said look this is the problem we came we came to you with 
this is why mm -hmm. we chose to work with you this is how you fixed our problem this is what life is like now this is the return you've brought to us and this is why we recommend that's super powerful right because you've literally got a, an ideal client saying that so right it's not an actor it's not a founder or a marketer saying that it's a real customer i don't have actual data on that on our website but we do run social ads that are basically that exact format that you mentioned we interview them over zoom and we ask their permission to use the video. And those are some of our best performing retargeting ads because we're targeting people who know a little bit about Chili Piper. They've been to our website. But then to hear from someone who's a user just like them how the tool has worked, is, it's just a really powerful way to connect with leads. Definitely. I don't know about you, but I find it quite difficult because a lot of my clients don't like being in front of camera, which is fair enough. Not everyone wants to do it. Mm. Have your team had any experience of encouraging people to do those reviews for you? Because most people would much rather <laughs> give us a review on a review site or Google or written review than, than a video one. That's a great question. We definitely have more written reviews than <laughs> video. Um, but one thing that we do is we actually have, it's usually our product marketers that run those interview calls and they're structured a bit more of a feedback session. And then if there are great nuggets that we can use for video, then we ask obviously for their permission to yep. use that, but it's not a straight up, just tell us how great we are. We want to hear really about how they found the tool, what problem they were trying to solve. And it's more about speaking to their experience and their specific use case. So it's not like an, a testimonial ad necessarily to, at first. And then we kind of can slice it from Got there. It. Got it. Um, a bit more of a casual at the, one. Yeah, at the same time, we've experimented a little bit. I mentioned Gong earlier. We've been experimenting with literally just using that voice recording and getting okay. their permission to use it. So we have a really great one right now where the video, it's just literally you can hear them and we put um, subtitles over as the video. So it's much lower lift because they were having that conversation anyway. There's no worry about their face being in our ads. It's just yeah. literally their voice. And in that case, they actually said like, hey, we don't really want you using our company name, but you can use the video. So it's even okay. lower barrier to entry to start using those clips. So we that's something yeah, yeah. that we have our customer marketer actually kind of minds our gong calls looking for great testimonials there. That's a smart idea. I like that. Okay, cool. Chili Piper's form concierge was built specifically for marketers. Double inbound conversions and qualified meetings. Keep your best prospects red hot by eliminating the waiting period after they raise their hand for a demo. Let website visitors self-qualify and book a meeting with the right rep instantly. Never let another inbound lead fall through the cracks. Stop chasing inbound leads. Start booking meetings. Book your free personalized demo today at chilipiper.com that's c-h-i-l-i-p-i-p-e-r.com are you tired of competitors stealing your traffic leads and sales all because they're higher on google maybe you're investing in paid ads but want to enjoy the benefits of organic seo meaning free traffic and inbound customers and not having to pay google for every single click or perhaps you're running seo and ads but your website is failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads. Any of this sound familiar? Let the team at WebChoice fix that for you. Book a free consultation today at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com.
let's head back to some pages on the site. So we've chatted about mm-hmm. pri- homepage, chatted a bit about pricing and service pages. What are your thoughts I, on the about? Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to say one thing that we didn't talk about is the actual book a demo page, which is probably the most yeah. important one for a conversion. Um, so one thing that we've actually tested on ours recently, we're just kind of dipping our toes in CRO and doing more experimentation on our current website. But one thing we tried is actually pulling in recent customer wins. So not necessarily testimonial. It's not logos. It's literally just data from our customers. So we're able to say things like this customer's lead response time was down to less than a minute, um, 125% increase in demos booked, and just very specific stats. And we found that that increased our conversion on that page pretty much immediately. We had a test running for a couple of weeks, but it was the clear winner pretty soon, which was great. So that's one thing I would definitely try out. And again, you can use those those stats anonymized if your customers don't want to put their brand or their name on it. Yep. So having a kind of results-driven, stat-based mm-hmm. testimonial or case study on your yep. demo request form. Page. Exactly. So I think a lot of people just say, oh, well, they're on the request a demo page. They're ready. But oftentimes people land on that page Maybe it's the second page they've seen of your website. So you still do have to sell a little bit. You can't just assume that they're ready to book that time. I would think of it, it's just come to me actually in in this perspective as well. Like Mm -hmm. if you're a potential buyer prospect, you know the crack, you know this, you know what's going to happen. You know, as soon as I fill in this form, if they're a decent company, a sales rep is going to contact me pretty sharpish, pretty quickly. So probably it probably becomes a bit daunting. Um, Mm -hmm. and they're probably it's probably like the, the buyer's potentially thinking, well, do I really want to speak to another salesperson? And then I guess that <laughs> testimonial, that yeah. case study kind of puts their mind at rest. So it mm. cancels out any thoughts that they have, whether the decision is bad or good. And they're thinking, well, look, they're, they're doing great work. Let's fill in the form and take the next step. Right, exactly. And I'm sure it's different. Well, maybe it's not different now, but it used to be different in other industries. But now marketers were we know, like you said, as soon as you fill out that form, you're going to get either a calendar invite or a call from a sales rep. So you have to be pretty serious <laughs> to be taking that stuff. Um, yeah. One, I wish I could remember who it was, but I saw a great Twitter thread the other day of someone explaining ways that you could actually sell your demo itself. So a lot of people focus on the demo page, and we do this too, of selling the product, but right. selling what they actually get out of the demo, whether it's more of a consultation type of call or whether it's things like, you will see the product. We're not going to do a qualification, just being very explicit on that mm. and how much time it will take. I'll have to find that. It was a great thread. Um, but that's one thing I want to try next on our page is really focusing on what that call is and what they're signing up for. What does that look like? Is that like a video that shares kind of what the what the demo call would be like? or? So the thread I saw was basically just about the copy on the page. So instead of selling most demo pages and ours included, we sell the product at the end of the day, but this is selling why you should book a demo and kind of adding some urgency around it. So things like we'll help you do an audit of your current processes. We'll get our, instead of a sales rep, I think it was a solutions architect type of call with someone on the op side. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 It's an interesting take. I haven't seen that before. That's very interesting. That, that's almost taking more of an outbound perspective in the sense that like let's say on mm-hmm. an initial cold call, you're not trying to sell the product right away. You're trying you're to actually just, <laughs> yeah, you're selling the next call, right. you're selling the meeting, the appointment. So I like that approach. It's mm-hmm. different. Um, something I know you, you and the team at Chili Piper now quite nicely is the thank you page, which is often neglected 
on oh that's so nice con- you noticed <laughs> yeah, yeah i, I yeah. saw it years ago and it actually inspired me to spice mm-hmm. up ours um so what I'd that's say fun is, i'd love to see yours now i haven't seen it i'll have to yeah check it yeah it's, it's <laughs> taken some ideas from yours for sure um but yeah i mean cool. a lot of a lot of sites in general like you fill out their inquiry form their demo form and then you're not mm-hmm. even sure if what's going to happen next like they might have a tiny right. thank you line or it might just refresh the page and like well, I filled in the demo request form, but I'm not really sure what happens next. Mm-hmm. So I think you guys do a, bit, a great job on your thank you page. So any tips for that next step once the demo's booked, kind of thank you page and making sure customers are really happy with your, your service? Sure. So ours is, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's basically, it's a gif of, um, I think it's Leonardo DiCaprio just kind of cheersing, but it's very much like celebrating, like, hey, you did it. This is the last step. You booked the demo. Um, so just making it super clear what that next step is. So we have a line explaining that, and then we have the fun GIF, but another thing that we do with our thank you page that I don't think enough B2B marketers take advantage of is we have separate pages for leads that are disqualified. So obviously we don't want to celebrate leads in the same way if they're disqualified, but we want to explain to them why. So right now we only work with companies that use HubSpot, CRM, or Salesforce. So if you fill out our form and you pick say no CRM or other, we'll have to direct you to a thank you page specific to that use case or to that um, segment. So we'll say, here's why we disqualified you. You Mm. don't have the CRMs that we use. It's very explicit of like why we can't work with you just yet, but what will happen next? Um, And then we do have some product videos in case you want to learn a bit more, but we're just not at the stage where we can spend our sales reps time on those leads just because we know they're not the best use case for us. So even if you do close, it's just not ideal. Um, but what that enables me to do on the demand gen side is I can use those page views for things like exclusion lists. We also can get a better handle on our conversions because we're only tracking the successful ones. So we're not tracking everyone who fills out a form, but just the successful conversions. Yeah. Yeah. That's smart, especially for, companies that are perhaps getting a lot of traffic or a lot of inquiries mm-hmm. a lot of demo requests through their site and exactly. they want to filter out poor fit prospects i think that's part of the reason why a lot of thank you page art pages are kind of lackluster is because they're trying to speak to everyone people that were qualified people that were not and then it just ends up with this kind of muddled message that doesn't really work for anyone yeah i think i think they're just neglected as well like mm-hmm. it's almost like you fill in some inquiry forms and you're just confused like it's did that actually go to their team? And then <laughs> did they get it? <laughs> yeah, and then also it's yeah. like another thing I've I've seen some companies do great is um, kind of actually be quite specific. Like, thanks for your message. Like, you'll be in. I know obviously tools like Chili Piper, you you can book the calendar tool straight away, so you know exactly when mm-hmm. your time of your meeting is going to be set up. So you know when the next step is. You know when your next call is. But even if you don't have these kind of tools, like you could at least say, look, thank you. A sales rep will be in touch within X hours. Um, mm-hmm. And here's some useful resources that you might enjoy in the meantime, like just so you're reinforcing that customer experience. So they're still thinking like this brand's like really doing their best to kind of help and educate me rather than just kind of losing you at the last minute, if that makes sense. Right. I've definitely filled out some forms where it just refreshes the whole page. And then you just mm. wonder, do I fill it out again? <laughs> and then you fill it out again with a yeah. different email. And it's very yeah, unclear. Yeah. I think some of them, they, that was their way of rejecting me as a lead, but it's very unclear when that happens. Yeah. So. Yeah, the yeah. more explicit you can be, the better. Even if if you don't have that calendar set up, you can at least tell them what to expect and let them know that you're on it instead of having them just go to a competitor and figure out what the next best tool is for them. Yeah, yeah, sure. And with that said, form fields is often one that I, 
argue with some mm. people about. I used to think God, when you're on inquiry forms, like the minimal forms possible was great. But as I've kind of as our company's grown, as my land's grown, I'm not quite of the same thought because I want mm-hmm. people to put a certain amount of information to help self-qualify them. Um, right. What are your thoughts in terms of kind of going for minimal forms possible or going for as much detail? Because I know some companies <laughs> almost go mental yeah. with like oh, yeah. first name, surname, <laughs> yeah. first school, secondary school, name of first pet. And then <laughs> not, just seems I'm, like I'm, take, I'm, I'm joking here, but mm. yeah, it gets some, some companies it goes a bit crazy. Right. Yeah. I think it depends what your offer is. So for us, we have a newsletter subscription where all we want is your email because it's a newsletter. We don't need anything else, but I've seen some newsletter signups where they want to know my job title or what team I'm on. And I just, what are they planning to do with that information? I don't know. It seems odd to try to qualify me if I'm just trying to subscribe to your newsletter. So that's one case where I think just less is better for something like a demo. You do need some way to qualify unless your sales team is open to speaking with every single lead out there. Um, Yeah. You do need some way to qualify. So there's a lot of tools that can help in the background. So we use zoom info to fill in a lot of these fields. You can use something like Clearbit as well just to fill in those fields. So if that person exists in your CRM, it'll pull in things like their title, what company they're in, their country. Um, but other than that, I would say the, at least in my experience, the key ones to know are if you need something like a tool that they integrate with. So for us, again, it's that CRM field. Sure. If you need to know company size for your sales reps to qualify, that's another big one. And then typically persona is another one to know. So if they're an SDR, it's a very different situation than obviously if they're a marketing manager with budget, for example. So those would be the three that I would try to stick in there as much as you can. Um, but it is, you definitely don't want to end up with 20 fields and scare people away. Yeah. 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 Focus on the crucial ones you need. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure thing. Um, what are your thoughts on the About Us page of websites? Because I know quite a lot of sites have quite a high volume of traffic that go to their About page. Mm-hmm. Any any thoughts on how you should build those? <laughs> so at least in my experience, it's a lot of the time you'll see people going to the about page and then going to the careers page. So it tends to be people that either just applied or they're through the interview process and trying to do their homework. Um, but in my experience, I haven't seen that page do a lot for mm. sales. I could be wrong, but that's just been my experience. I'm curious what you think. Yeah, I'm kind of the same mindset. Like ours gets quite a good portion of the, our website visitors mm. check it out but mm-hmm. how powerful how much of an impact on it I'm not 100% in terms of kind of the conversion side of things mm-hmm. my only two cents is that too many about us pages again just take the kind of company-centric view and just say look right I mean it's in the title of the page right it's gonna be yeah exactly but <laughs> so then it's like, maybe that's why I devalue it but I kind of like Dave mm-hmm. Gerhardt's approach where he's you know the founder mm-hmm. brand talking about your company mm-hmm. story so rather than right. saying, look, we've been around for 100 years and we've won all these awards, <laughs> more just giving a snapshot of this is why we started the company. This mm-hmm. is literally what customers typically come with us to solve this problem or to make their life better in this way or to grow their business in this way. These are the three ways that we can um, help you. And then perhaps mm-hmm. some call to actions, maybe kind of view some more case studies. Here's some social proof, some, um, some client stories. And then here's a, a shortcut if you want to request the demo. Just just kind of to the point, really, just speaking to pain mm-hmm. points and guiding people in the right right direction. It doesn't have to be much more complex than that, in my thought, my opinion, anyway. 
Right. I do think it's a nice, especially if you do have an interesting founder story, that's a good place to put it. Please don't put it on the homepage. <laughs> so that's a good place to move it if, yeah. if you're getting pressure to put that on the homepage. Um, and it's it could be a good page to send press to just to get a high level overview of how the company's grown. I've seen some really cool pages that have kind of an interactive timeline of we started in a dorm room with three people and now we have 200 employees. So that kind of story is interesting. But for me as a prospect, it's definitely not a page that I prioritize if I'm checking out different tools. Yep. So yeah, sure keep thing. it simple. <laughs> yeah. Any other thoughts, general points in terms of pages or in terms of kind of setup or features for, for best practices for lead gen on, on B2B sites? Yeah, I think the number one thing again, is just messaging in your offer. So think about those before writing the page. A page to subscribe to your newsletter is very different or should be very different than a demo page. So think about why people are going to be landing on that page, where they're coming from, where you're sending them from, and what they would expect on that page. So start there and then kind of build out as you go. But that would be my advice. Yeah, 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 sure. Um I mean, some pet peeves from websites from my side of things that I think often hinder lead gen are page speed, which mm-hmm. I moan about all the time because it's it's basically <laughs> the, the silent killer of websites. So right. that's a tough one. I'm curious from your perspective. So we have obviously a ton of different tools and we're always trying new ones. <laughs> but anytime we add new scripts on our site or new tools, that's it's always a concern of mine, but I'm more interested in using the tool than worrying mm. about site speed. So how do you help people decide what comes yeah. first? Yeah. So, I mean, I ideally, if you've got a site and you're driving people to it, you're doing some kind of marketing or advertising, I'd say you want it as close to one second load speed as possible and below mm-hmm. two seconds, no doubt. Um, yeah. Reason being is think of it if you're a buyer. Like, let's say, I don't know, you really need help with CRM and you're typing like best CRM for mid-sized company, you click on the mm-hmm. first organic search or you click on a paid ad on Google, but the site is it's just not loading. Perhaps you're on your mobile, perhaps you're out and about, and it's just not loading. And you're thinking, well, I'm mm-hmm. frustrated now. This is giving me a bad per- first perception of the brand. I'm going to close this right. window. I'm going to go to the next listing. The next li- listing loads lightning quick. Okay, I'm requesting a demo. I've completely mm. ignored that brand, and it's given me a bad Thanks. taste in my mouth <laughs> just because it took so long to load. Um mm-hmm. And I'm probably going that's to especially that true. I mean, if they're selling a MarTech tool, that's kind of scary. If their website can't load, exactly. <laughs> something's Ex- going on. Exactly. So, I mean, some, I don't know what you've seen, Tara, but some common things that can cause that could be stuff like if you're on WordPress or a similar open source web platform, it might be you've got too many plugins, perhaps mm-hmm. the platform's outdated, perhaps you're trying to load too much at once, like a load of videos, a load of high res images, a load of JavaScript, a massive banners. So it's trying to load all this stuff at once and it's just mm-hmm. not working. Um, so those, yeah, those we actually issues. just, we recently moved off of WordPress for that reason, just because we just had so many old plugins and old things in there and we had changes on the team. So we weren't sure what we could get rid of and it, it did definitely slow us down. So we moved and now starting fresh on a new platform. No, that's great. I think it's just one of those things, like as soon as you load a site, you want it to load fast. And then it comes into mm-hmm. all these things we've talked about, about message offer social proof and then letting people easily get in touch yeah if they can't wait i mean if they have to wait for a couple seconds to see what that offer is i think you're already losing some people so that's a good point do you have any thoughts on educating prospects so perhaps using your site as an education tool maybe for people that aren't necessarily ready to buy right now but perhaps Mm -hmm. want to learn more about kind of your industry or 
how you can help. Yeah, I think that's a great place for something like a blog or a newsletter. So we don't do traditional um, lead nurturing at Chili Piper. So we, if you book a demo, you're on track to speak with a sales rep and you're kind of on your way. If you don't book a demo, you might see some of our retargeting ads, but you're not going to be thrown into an email nurture cadence unless you raise your hand and sign up for the newsletter. So I think a newsletter is a great way to keep people kind of keep them warm, keep them informed about what's going on with your company. But I don't believe in the old school kind of forcing people down nurture tracks. I just don't think that really works. And it just risks, honestly, kind of just rubbing people the wrong way. They're trying to learn. They're not trying to be forced down the specific path. So, yeah. Yeah, I think a, a lot of people are quite wary, aren't they, of email nurture and it's mm-hmm. been around a long time. So I think typically if someone wants to get in touch with you, they will. Exactly. They know how to do it. Hopefully your speed is fine and they can figure out how to get to the right page on your site. Uh, but I do think for something like a site menu, less is more. So figure out where you want to send people. And again, resources or your blog section is a great place to have people kind of poke around if they're not 100% ready to raise their hand and speak with you yet. So make sure that you have your great content front and center when they do get to that section. Cool. Um, and I guess just kind of closing points. Uh, we talked about a lot about actually capturing the leads when people are on the site. Any, mm-hmm. any best, best, best channels that tend to work for yourselves or for any other businesses that you know, Tara, when it comes to actually driving prospects or ideal prospects to the site in the first place to actually get that traffic to then be converted into leads? Sure. So, I mean, an obvious one for B2B, but LinkedIn is consistently just a strong channel. It's obviously the easiest on terms of targeting for B2B. Um, we also use a tool called Metadata to help us target on the technographic side. So I mentioned that we work best with companies that use specific CRMs. So we're able to overlay things like persona industry targeting with those technographics. So figuring out what tools they have on their site. And that allows us to send those audiences to LinkedIn and Facebook so we can reach those people wherever they are on social. Pretty much everyone is going to be on one of those channels. And we're testing out, we haven't done a ton of this just yet, but we're moving some of our budget over to things like newsletters, podcast sponsorships, just like this one, um, just to reach more people in places that they organically spend their time. And I think that gives us a little bit more control over not just the message, but also Things like LinkedIn and Facebook's algorithm can change all the time, but a lot of these podcasts and newsletters sponsorships are just, or subscriptions, sorry, are just growing and they're growing at such a great rate. So it helps us reach people right in their inbox and get in front of them there. So we're seeing a lot of success with things like just local newsletters or more of micro influencer type things. Awesome. Good stuff. That's it. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's one of the main things, isn't it? Be to be actually reaching people where they're at on the mm-hmm. channels that they use day to day rather than trying to force things down people's necks, actually realizing, look, they, they listen to podcasts or our buyers listen, check out newsletters or they're hanging out on LinkedIn or mm-hmm. they're using search and let's, let's make our advertising, let's make our marketing compelling and engaging and educational on the channels our buyers use rather than. Exactly. Cool. Um, any closing points, Tara, any, any final kind of things just to make sure we've covered all angles, lead gen on sites. I think we've covered quite a bit. I think the only other thing I mentioned this quickly, but we do use a tool to fill in a bunch of form fields on the back end. So that's, we use zoom info. Um, again, Clearbit is another great example, but I would look into tools like that. If you're finding yourself in a situation where you do have one of those really long forms and you're trying to figure out how can we pull some of this information without losing 
those that data that we need to help qualify people. So I would look into one of those for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that said, Tara, thanks very much for coming on the show. Really enjoyed the conversation. And Me too. Please do tell us more about how everyone tuning in can learn from yourself, how they can connect with you and a bit more about Chili Piper. Great. Sure. So I'm on LinkedIn, of course, like every B2B marketer. So feel free to connect with me there. Um, I'm also taking over our own podcast at Chili Piper. So it's called Demand Gen Chat, and that'll be launching in a couple of weeks. So I'll keep everyone informed on that. And would love it if you would go to chilipiper.com and check it out. Let me know what you think of our demo page specifically, because I'm spending some time optimizing that right now. So would love your feedback. Awesome. And we'll put all of those links over on the show notes at businessgrowth.marketing. So with that, Tara, thanks once again for coming on and really enjoyed the show. Thanks so much, Sam. Thank you. No worries. And as always, if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to leave us a quick rating on your podcast channel or give us a quick subscribe on YouTube. And with that, we should catch you on the next episode for more actionable marketing tips to grow your business and revenue. Cheers.